Welcome to Zoom with Zarni. Uh, today is August 27th. It's a uh, Thursday that we're recording this call. Uh, but however, this will be broadcast on August 28th. Uh, we will be 68 days until Election Day uh, at the time of this broadcast. I think if I, I have that right, the days are starting to pile up and get close to uh, what we believe is going to be one of the biggest elections ever in New York State and also in the United States. Uh, we uh, have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, stuff to talk about today uh, with changes in elections, but I, I do want to remind those viewers and listeners that if you are in Onondaga County uh, and you want to request an absentee ballot, you can go to onvote.net, that is the Onondaga County Board of Elections, uh, and request an absentee ballot right now, today, uh, by email. Um, go to the absentee section, you can download a form, fill it out, and uh, um, and uh, and go ahead and uh, email that to uh, absentee at ongov.net. Shortly, we'll be launching a portal where you can fill out a form online through the State Board of Elections and be able to request your absentee app uh, or absentee uh, ballot. The ballots will be going out around September 18th in Onondaga County, um, and hopefully, starting next week, we'll have a tracker on our uh, on our. Uh, website so you can track your ballot to see whether we received your application, whether we received your ballot, whether we mailed you a ballot. All of those things will be on our website uh, starting next week um, and uh, look for that announcement on uh, the Onondaga County Board of Elections Facebook page or my Facebook page or the United Democrats Facebook page. As a reminder, the Zoom with Zarni is a partnership with the United Democrats where we started this because of the COVID crisis that we're in. Uh, has made community gatherings and campaigning really hard for local candidates and to get information out there to voters. So this is a, uh, a service that uh, myself and the United Democrats have, start, have decided to provide a weekly uh, Zoom call that uh, will uh, uh, bring in election experts and candidates and doing town hall type uh, scenarios for those candidates to be able to uh, share those amongst social media. So if you're watching this, please share this video. It'll help reach your neighbors and reach your friends uh, in Onondaga County and beyond and allow us to be able to continue campaigning in a safe and effective way. So today I'm very happy to have uh, two gentlemen I look up to uh, very much. Um, we've had a lot of changes in the New York State election system this year. And guiding us through those changes are the State Board of Elections and uh, our two Democratic commissioners on the State Board of Elections, Doug Kellner and Andy Spano. Gentlemen, thank you for coming to Zoom with Zarni and being with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, Justin, and for all that you do. <laughs> well, uh, I think a lot of people don't know our Byzantine bipartisan election system that we have in New York. And, uh, and, and what's the difference between uh, a state board commissioner and a county commissioner or, and how you get appointed? So um, Doug, why don't you tell us uh, how the uh, state board commissioners are appointed and, uh, and, and, and how you got appointed? Well, there are four commissioners, uh, two Republicans and two Democrats. The, Co-chairs of the Board of Elections are appointed by the respective party leaders uh, in the Assembly and the Senate who have to give a recommendation to the governor. 
Um, so I was appointed by, um, in 2005, by then uh, Speaker of the Assembly, Shelley Silver, and um, the Democratic leader in the Senate, who at the time was uh, um, Senator Patterson, who then became governor several years later. Um, uh, and the Republican, my opposite number, is uh, appointed by the Republican leaders in the Senate and the Assembly. Um, the um, uh, two other commissioners are appointed by the governor on the recommendation of the state party leaders. Um, so, uh, and Andy, that's how you got appointed, is that correct? Yes, I got appointed that way. Now, the, the reason the Democrats and Republicans appoint is because it goes to the gubernatorial election. The two top vote getters in the gubernatorial election get to, be, get to run the Board of Elections. And, and, uh, and when were you appointed, Andy? I think about six years ago. Okay. And, but now, the commissioners at the state board are a little bit different than the commissioners at most county boards. You don't uh, work in Albany or definitely, you know, you, you, you meet once a month. I mean, and both of you are incredibly involved uh, throughout the month, but you, this is not like an executive director position where you're working full time at the state board. The functionality of the state board is a little different. Uh, why don't you kind of uh, explain that? That's right. We, well, we serve like a board of directors and new co-executive directors. Um, the Republicans have a co-executive director and the Democrats have a co-executive director. Uh, and now we, we, we also oversee all the boards throughout the state uh, in terms of uh, regulations, advice, uh, rulings, et cetera. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a very different role than the local uh, county board, boards. So what, um, so obviously this is not your main gig. It's not your main job. You, you have a, you have to get a salary somehow. So what do you do uh, uh, normally? What, what do you do during, in between uh, all the work you do with the state board? Well, I'm semi-retired. I, I spent, uh, you know, 25 years in education and 30 years in uh, public service. Um, but I do, uh, you know, I do this, um, vice chair of the community college in here in Westchester County. Um, and I do a number of private ventures that I do on my own. But, uh, you know, this is really interesting. When I got a call from the governor's office and asking me if I would do this, I said, look, I got a lot of other things I do, but I'm really interested in this. I said, I said well, I, I said, how much time does it involve? <laughs> and they said, well, you know, you go to a couple of meetings here, a couple of meetings there, and you make some decisions. Well, I'll tell you, it hasn't been that way. <laughs> it hasn't been that way. Yeah, we may be up in Albany, you know, once or twice a month, but we're significantly, I mean, it's almost every day, right, Doug? We have to deal with something. Well, yeah, you know, uh, I have a small law firm, 15 lawyers, and um, usually this takes about a quarter of my time. But in the last month or so, it's almost full-time elections, and I have very little time left for the law firm. Well, I, I want to thank you both for your service over the last uh, six months, eight months, uh, dealing with this COVID crisis and all the 
changing that we've had to do at county boards. Uh, both of you have been valuable resources, uh, not just for the county boards, but for the voters as well, as guiding uh, government through this. Um, yeah, you know, I'd like to say something. Though. Yeah. Even though we're commissioners that show up in Albany periodic and we're not the day-to-day -day people for the Board of Elections, uh, we, we hire the people involved. We make sure they do their jobs. We're responsible for the jobs they do, et cetera. So uh, it's, it's not just a, you know, a figurehead role. No, definitely not. And in fact, I kind of wanted to talk about that. The, 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 a lot of voters, they interact with their county board of elections more than they interact with the state board of elections. And I think people get a little confused about what the different roles are for the state board and the county board. And can you, talk, can you talk about what the relationship is between county boards of elections and state board of elections? Well, the, the county boards of elections actually run the elections. So they're in charge of uh, uh, determining what candidates are on the ballot for offices uh, within the county. Um, they print the ballots. They run the poll sites on election day. They recruit the poll workers and pay the poll workers. They set up the voting machines. They count the votes and they report those counts to the State Board of Elections. Um, the State Board of Elections, um, uh, very few people realize this, but almost a third of the uh, relatively few number of people who work for the State Board of Elections, our total staff is about 60, and more than 20 of them uh, are involved in running the campaign finance disclosure system, where um, uh, candidates for offices uh, uh, within the state have to file their disclosure statements with the State Board of Elections. And then um, we're responsible for supervising and helping the county boards of elections, but um, uh, there's a very limited staff of people who are available to do that. And then we determine um, what candidates are on the ballot for any statewide contests or a contest that crosses, crosses county lines. Um, and we're responsible for receiving the canvas of votes from the county boards for those statewide and cross-county uh, candidates and certifying those uh, elections. And yeah, no, these filings of uh, when, when uh, the various uh, campaigns file these reports, financial reports, periodically um, in January and June, and when they're running for office more frequently. Um, our staff goes over all those filings. They look at everything. If they see some discrepancy, they'll usually call and see if there's a way to fix the discrepancy. If there's not, they'll get a warning. If it, if it gets to a point where they don't respond or they get into a position, it's turned over to an enforcement council in the Board of Elections to follow up. So it's a big job. We're talking, we're talking how, many, how many per year would you say that is, Doug? 30, 40, 50,000? That's right. And they go over everyone. Yep. Yeah, campaign finance has been uh, over the last 10 years 
have has really migrated up to the state board system and now there is no requirement to file at a local county level uh they all have to file at the state level now and uh that is taking a great deal of burden off the county boards as uh, myself I rather not deal with that kind of <laughs> with with the campaign finance, uh, except for reminding people to do their dis disclosures. Um, but uh, you know that's a big burden that uh, the state board has taken on, and and will take on the public finance uh, um, burden uh, if that ever goes through. Uh, in, in you know, uh, and I, I get many people are going to ask about where where does that stand? Where does public finance uh, stand right now? Well, the, the, uh, the governor has to appoint three more commissioners. And <clears throat> the three commissioners will be involved in the public finance aspects of the board. So when the public finance group meets, there'll be seven commissioners. When we meet on the other items, there'll be four commissioners, the original four commissioners. At the present time, the governor has appointed one of those commissioners. So we're waiting for two more. You want to add anything to that, Doug? No, that's that's it. <laughs> now we got we have a we have another problem at this particular point is that uh, in the original thing we have uh, we have four commissioners on on the on the board of uh, elections, uh, one commissioner retired, and we have uh, the, we're wait we were waiting for the governor to appoint another commissioner, which would give us our four. Um, the Republican commissioner now has refused to attend meetings until that appointment has been made. And uh, we don't have a quorum, so we, we had a problem at our last meeting. Actually, we don't even know if it was legal that last meeting because we didn't have a quorum. But we're waiting on that. The governor, the governor subsequently appointed someone two weeks ago, and uh, that person turned it down, so we're back where we started. Oh, I did not know that that person turned it down. Um, you know, Commissioner Spano, Commissioner Kellner, uh, you're both Democrats. I'm a Democrat as the president of the uh, or the, you know, the chairman of the caucus for the New York State Elections Commission Association, but we've all called on the governor to appoint the Republican commissioner so the board can function because it's not just about D versus R. We have to do the bipartisan, uh, you know, uh, point of our elections commission is very important that we have this. And um, this has actually kind of crippled the board a little bit. Uh, and, uh, you know, the slow action. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't know that uh, an appointment was made and subsequently turned down. My head has been a little bit underwater with all these other things. But Doug, do you want to? Uh, well, uh, Dustin, I'd like to just take a second to explain yeah. um, this bipartisan concept. Um, the New York State Constitution um, was uh, in a big reform in 1894, required that all election administration whether it be at the local level running a board of inspectors at your local poll site or at the county level or at the state level um, be um, done on a bipartisan basis by the two largest political parties. And uh, that has been the structure in New York. Um, some people criticize it. There are two other ways that other states um, do it. Um, some other states, a lot of other states, simply have the Secretary of State, who is either elected or appointed by the governor, um, run the elections in that state. 
and um, uh, other states have, in quotes, independent, uh, also in quotes, professional management of their elections. And I still think that with all of the problems of trying to get bipartisan agreement, that the bipartisan system is the best in the long run because it's the fairest and it guarantees that you're going to operate by consensus and no one political party can take control and bully their way into manipulating the outcome of elections. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that as well. Um, you know, it, it's, it also gives a sense of independence to local county commissioners as well. It's not, you know, it, it, while some of the advocates will say that if you had an independent or nonpartisan uh, person running a board, then you would get the fairest results. But the problem is, is who hires that uh, independent person? If it's a county legislature that, uh, that hires and a Republicans or Democrats control that county legislature, then you're going to have influence on that, that elections uh, administrator, no matter who that election administrator is. Uh, everybody wants to be employed. And, uh, you know, in, in, in by having a bipartisan system that um, the Democrats in the legislature appoint the Democrat, the Republican in the legislature appoint the Republican, um, it gives them a little bit more freedom to uh, do what they believe is right, stand up to their own party at times, and also, uh, um, you know, find a, a middle ground to move things forward. So yeah, I, you know I, that, that in, uh, we, we have a knockdown drag outs with the Republican side periodically, um, but there's a, a tremendous effort to get to consensus. I'd say that 98% of the time we agree. There are very few times where we're really at a standstill. Well, and we're guided by election law, so we have to, you know, I mean, most of the time in, 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 in precedent in court cases as well, and uh, these are the things that guide us most of the time, and when ideology gets in the way, we sometimes have to go to court and get it. That's where our uh, neutral party comes in to decide which, which side is right when we can't uh, get agreement. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, frustrating that uh, the Republican side has still not been fully populated, um, especially going into this tremendous, uh, uh, really busy, uh, pro you know, uh, general election. But before we start talking about the general, why don't we talk about the primary uh, that we had in June and, and, and trying to administer this election during the COVID crisis. Um, Doug or Andy, what do you see that county boards did well? And what do you think that we have to improve on going into the general? Well, you know, let, let's look at the context we were dealing with, because I think that's important. You were dealing with COVID. You were dealing with the shifting of elections on a considerably ongoing basis where <laughs> we wound up with some date where we had three different elections that were supposed to be on, on different days. We were mailing ballots out to everybody, or not ballots, uh, applications out to everybody for uh, absentee ballots. Uh, we were having court cases against that, people arguing and trying to get that settled. Um, 
And this was all, all happening on a, a, a basis where we weren't definitive in what we were going to do till late and everyone had to do it. I think holistically that you guys did a good job. I really do. But there were, and it, it was, it, there were, there were, there were uh, things that went wrong, but there's been, I think, a significant debriefing, which has looked at all these issues and try to correct them for the general. But it's still a tough, it's a, it's a tough sell. Plus the turnout, the number of ballots that came out in the, in, in the mail and had to be handled. That was a whole other issue. Um, now we did not handle that. We, we handled the, some of the instructions, some of the advice, some of that, but you had to do that locally. And I think as a whole, it got done well. Now there were, there were pockets where we had problems and they're being addressed right now. Uh, Doug, uh, you were part I, of I will add that uh, the, the real bright spot was early voting. Um, this was only the second election where we've used early voting. And um, uh, the early voting sites um, were, were underutilized by voters. So a real message to voters is that uh, a, an alternative to um, uh, getting an absentee ballot is to go and, um, and vote early because those sites uh, were rarely uh, uh, where their lines and um, those uh, election returns are reported on election night. Um, and so you don't have the issues that uh, we have with uh, uh, counting uh, large numbers of absentee ballots. And it was a, there was a, an, an issue with that because of the COVID situation where trying to get workers to, to man the polls became an, another issue. And that could determine how the number of sites that you could have and you could have manned. So there was an issue there. Now I know uh, in the County of Westchester for the next election, the uh, County Executive has said he's gonna allow his uh, civil service work workers to actually uh, volunteer in, at the polls and he will pay them. So he's got that, that kind of issue that uh, you can work through, but it still might be a problem in, in, uh, in the general election. We need more people to volunteer, more people to, uh, to serve and to do that job, especially on election day, but also in the early voting. And then we have the whole issue of, uh, of the mail, which is looming on the surface, you know, with uh, the possibility of all these uh, uh, refinements going on in the post office and uh, maybe slowing down the mail and having mail come in late, et cetera. So those have to be worked on and they're being worked on right now. I mean, they're still being, uh, now this is one state. So you can imagine what's happening throughout the country. So about that, moving our, our focus to the general election, um, what is, you know, some voters voted in the primary, uh, you know, we actually, it was a very high turnout primary, but still, you know, a fraction of the voters that would, that are going to come out um, in, in, you know, in the general election voted in the primary. So there's still a lot of people who have not, um, you know, been acquainted with a lot of the changes that we've made in New York this year to um, make it easier for people to vote. So, uh, Doug, do you want to talk about how uh, what the governor has done with his executive orders and what the legislature? Well, let me just start by 
yeah. you know, going through the fundamentals that you have three ways you can vote. You can vote in person on election day at your local poll site. You can go uh, to an early voting poll site and everywhere in the state except uh, New York City, if you go to an early poll, uh, poll site in your own county, you can go to any early poll site in, um, in the county and um, cast your ballot. Um, or you can apply for an absentee ballot. So the consensus right now is that um, uh, our, our wish is that uh, more people would choose to go and use early voting because it's underutilized, it's um, it's not crowded, so it's gonna be relatively safe. And it's a lot easier for the board to administer um, than uh, absentee voting. But then the next choice is uh, the governor has made a lot of changes, uh, as well as the legislature, to the absentee voting process. Um, one, one change, one thing though that we want to uh, uh, urge is that people apply for their absentee ballots online through their county portal. Dustin, you already gave the uh, link for Onondaga. Um, or uh, within a few days, we expect the State Board of Elections to have its uh, absentee ballot application portal. Um, you can apply online and that's it. Um, uh, it avoids uh, all the paper handling of mailing out an application, signing it, and mailing it back to the board, and then the board having to copy all that information into their database. All of this happens relatively seamlessly if people apply online. But in addition, the governor has said that um, voters have the right to apply by email. Um, they can look up the email address on their Board of Elections website. And I say, if you've got the time to go look for that email address, you might as well just to online apply rather than send an email. Um, uh, but you can also apply by fax or by telephone. And um, so again, the governor is making it as easy as possible for people to apply for absentee ballots. and. On behalf of election administrators, we selfishly ask that you go through the portal to make it easier on the Board of Elections. And we also have, uh, the governor has also mandated a mailer that's gonna go out on September 8th, but it's not the same as uh, what we have in the primary where we were mailing out applications. It's more of an informational mailer, giving all that information that you've just given to every household or every voter in New York State is going to get that. Is that correct? Right, because we want you to apply online and not to mail back an application. And and that and, and that will have your polling place on there, your early voting information, your registration deadlines, uh, ability to look up your registration. All of that will be on there. So uh, spread the word that the boards of elections throughout New York State are going to be mailing this out. And this is really kind of a. I actually it's going to be expensive and it's going to be hard work for the county boards to do. But as a voting advocate, this is a, a, a big deal. We've never had a mailer coming from um, boards, in, at least in my time as commissioner, so close to an election. Usually that mailer happens in February. 
and uh, they're not able to, you know, and the people throw them out or move or change their stuff. So I think this is actually kind of a big deal. Yeah, so I, I'm hopeful that people use it to, to, to go out to vote. It's another a reminder of how to vote. Um, so we're gonna get to your questions. Uh, um, uh, on with uh, State Board Elections Commissioners Doug Kellner and Andrew Spano. Uh, and uh, we're going to go to your questions. And if you're on the Zoom call and you want to do a question, type stack in the chat. Our first question is coming from uh, Mary Kuhn. Uh, Mary actually is a county legislator here in Onondaga County, gentlemen. And uh, so I'm going to uh, unmute her and, uh, uh, and you can unmute yourself now, Mary, and you can ask your question. Thank you, and thank you guys for being here. It's very, this is very interesting. Um, I have two questions. Um, one, I have a number of um, older um, voters who are regularly in, you know, getting absentee ballots, but with all the concern about mail, um, they, uh, I've told them that they can give their signed, sealed, signatured um, ballot to anybody to drop off at the Board of Election or at early voting sites. Um, that's correct, right? Yes. Anybody can drop it off. Yeah. So they, they said, well, does that then have to wait? Since they're dropping it off early, will that be counted on election day or does that get folded into everybody who mails it in? They're worried about the mail. So does that get folded in or will that be more um, uh, counted more quickly? Uh -huh. Uh, you've eliminated the post office as a possibility for right. a problem with right. uh, delivering the ballot. Um, but um, rather but the county, than... Uh, the county will have to, are you, I'm sorry, Doug. I thought you stopped. No, go, go ahead, Andy. Um, no, but they, it, it can't be counted till the election is over. So not on election night. It'll be after. And you have to wait, what, 10 days for the absentees? No, well... That's no. kind of changed now. Uh, it's complicated. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. They're, they, they're, they're going to start counting much earlier uh, in the general election. But the law says that um, if a ballot is postmarked by election day and received within 13 days after election day, it will be counted. Okay. So, so it, some of those stray ballots that come in... Um, after election day, especially if they're mailing them from abroad, right, um, uh, will get added into the count. Um, but hopefully, uh, the counties will not wait to do their count for those uh, uh, ballots that come late. But when can they have, start you counting? Have, you won't have any official number till the 13 days are over. The 13 days after. But when when can where the counties allowed to start counting? Well, not before the Friday after election day, Friday, November 6th. Okay. And, and there's a technical reason for that because New York has a law that uh, uh, if you move across county lines, um, you can vote by affidavit ballot at your new residence. And if somebody does oh, that, okay. then um, that... Um, uh, um, transfers their registration and so the old county has to check to make sure that they didn't actually vote in that county okay right. that makes sense so okay kind of old holdover New York New York is not set up um, 
in the legal framework, the way uh, uh, those states that uh, are vote by mail states like uh, Oregon, Washington, Colorado, um, uh, have their laws completely uh, reoriented towards voting by mail. Right. New York doesn't have that. And um, well, <laughs> if you think voting by mail is good, um, I'm, I'm okay with it uh, in the pandemic. But um, uh, I still think uh, the best way is for people to show in up. Person. Right. In person, right. right. Well, and we're going to break some news here today, Mary. Uh, you got me. Uh, Onondaga County, we, Michelle, Commissioner Sardo and myself have been discussing how we're going to do this. And our, our plan is, uh, which is subject to change based on volumes of absentees, but our plan is to actually start opening absentees on the Monday after election. Instead of, it used to be 14 days after election, we would start opening, but we're going to work through the weekend uh, after that Friday to get prepped and have uh, our, um, our, our campaigns be able to come in on that Monday. And, and we'll re be releasing unofficial results at every night, like we did during the primary. So we won't have to wait as long um, it, for uh, vote totals. Um, and we'll get a clearer picture, hopefully, in the following week after the election of who's won these races. Uh, You're this awesome. is, is going to set up a completely different election night than you used to. Oh, definitely. And that, we're getting everybody prepared for that, too. I'm working a lot with voter registration and voter education. I have one more quick question. Um, what happened in New York City, and is it going to be corrected by November? Is that a bad question? Well, I think uh, that's a dog. He's my New York City aficionado. <laughs> All three of you are laughing, so I'm concerned about well, the answer. New York City had the toughest problems because they yeah. were just plain overwhelmed. Yeah, and they got they got uh, the president to acknowledge it and they use had, that as the reason why we can't do this. They had ten times as many absentee ballot applications uh, as they did um, four years ago. Ten uh -huh. times but they were working with half the staff of four years ago because of uh, COVID restrictions. Uh, they were and, and completely overwhelmed. Okay. And the, the good part about this, and this is why I was talking about the portal, 40% of the applications for absentee ballots to New York City went through their online application portal and they had practically no problems. It oh. was the 60% that were done by mail, you know, with with hand mailed mail. applications, that the city, anywhere between a hundred thousand and two hundred thousand voters, did not get their ballots on time in New York City, and of course that's a shame, and nobody right. is happy about that. Right. So. Um, trying to drive applications to the portal instead of by mail is one of the things to help them out. Uh, they're recognized they need more staff to process the applications, especially because they should expect three times as many applications that now than they had for the primary. And that's 30 times the number of applications that they had four years ago. That was my concern. And I'm, so have they been able to get their staff back up? Because certainly the, the uh, primary was right in the middle of the New York City disaster. We're advocating for it. We'll see oh, okay. if they come through. And then the other big problem, um, 
was they had a lot of close contests with the right. lawyers uh, going through every ballot. And again, because of COVID restrictions, they really did not have enough staff to um, process um, the, those in a timely manner. And indeed, it was only until the day before yesterday that the city finished. Finalized um, it, right. Count. right. So, Thank you. I mean, and that's Thank unacceptable you. for November. Yeah. In November. I know. Um, that's exactly what our president is predicting. That's well, why he may just stay there. All I can say is that the state board were on top of it, but it, ultimately it's uh, New York City that has to address that very difficult challenge that they yep. face. Yep. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mary. I, I do think that one of the, you alluded to it, Doug, one of the things that will help New York City is in a general election, there won't tend to be as many close contests um, as there were in a primary inside the city with the congressional races since it's such a democratically heavily leaning. Uh, so hopefully there will be less outside influence in slowing down the count. That being said, upstate, we might see that issue um, and uh, where we didn't see that in the primary. So the, the shoe may be on the other foot there for us. Uh, um, Mary Cunningham uh, said that she wanted to ask a question. Uh, Mary, you can unmute yourself and, uh, and ask your question. Yeah, I'm not sure that you can answer it, um, partly because I am sort of interested in what your feeling or understanding is about some of the other states that have different systems. So for example, when there's a secretary of state, how voter purges are working and how many, uh, it sounds to me, my sense is we're losing a lot of voters through voter purges. And do you have thoughts about that? Is there any uh, any way people that can be dealt with in some way? Or is it only it's just who's ever in the sec? And is it the Secretary of State who is the in charge of that in those states that have a Secretary of State? Well, you know, we had we had a we had a state where the Secretary of State was running for statewide office, right? Used to get out of the job, purge, okay. purge the voter registration rolls. And, and, and won the election and, and, and you know, that, that's what goes on. That's why Doug said, and I, I agree with him, that this bipartisan system that we have here is probably the best you can get under the circumstances. There's no perfect system, but this, I think this works pretty well. Mm -hmm. And you know, we, we, all, we, we, we protect the Democrats from whatever we think the Republicans are doing and, the, and vice versa. And we know we got to get this done and we try to get to uh, some sort of consensus we try to work it out. Mm -hmm. uh, if one person was in charge, I mean, everyone is influenced by somebody, and it, it, it's it's a uh, it's just a, a a way of think of uh, adding more problems to the system. And independents, the groups, I've always been leery of independent groups. They they have a different kind of politics. That's the only difference. Mm -hmm. uh, is is there some case to be made or? possible that where would it how would it change from secretary of state to perhaps a more bipartisan uh well, system happen issue and it's, it's up to the state to do that each state uh, you know, each state yeah and uh you know that's that's the way our, our governments are run so we, i think that we're doing well right now in new york state we're trying to get there 
you know, with all the new legislation that we have and uh, the new regulations that we have, uh, we're trying to get more voters. You saw what happened in the, uh, in the primaries. We'll see what happens in the general. We'll get the functionality down, you know, after we go through one, two or three of these things. Um, and we've, then we've, we've got to deal with this public financing situation and see where we go with that. <laughs> Doug, um, if you could talk to how we purge voters in New York, because, uh, you know, Mary is right. We don't have this issue here in New York as much. Um, but I, she knows that, but I can tell you, I get a lot of questions every day about uh, purged voters in New York because they see the national uh, headlines and they don't know what, how we do it here. And I well, actually think we have a pretty good- uh, Well, system. Dustin, I wouldn't say that uh, it's not an issue in New York because there've been a couple of lawsuits. And of course there was a big scandal uh, in Brooklyn where more than 200,000 uh, voters were improperly purged, uh, uh, mainly through negligence, you know, and poor administration. So, so it, it, it's an issue. And frankly, you probably know the rules better than I do on the, uh, on the details, uh, um, uh, because, because you do it as a county uh, elections administrator, and that's not something that the state board does. That's right. So in New York, we, let's see if I get this right. I think I got this right. Uh, if, if you, you do not get purged uh, because of inactivity. So like if you just don't go vote, uh, you never come off the voter rolls. You have to, what happens is that we send out every year a mail check card. We call it our mail check card. And if we get a piece of mail back um, from a voter that says they no longer live there or they're deceased or uh, moved or whatever, um, we will put them in what's called inactive status. That means their name doesn't appear in the poll book where they can get a live ballot on election day. Now, a change to that this year is now the inactive voters appear in the electronic poll books uh, and it, it allows them to get an affidavit ballot in an easier, quicker sense. Um, but for years, they never even appeared in the poll book. But they cannot vote on election day. And if a voter goes into inactive status and they, and they have no, uh, and they have not cured that inactive status within two federal elections, that a, a presidential election and a midterm election, and they haven't voted and they haven't voted by affidavit anywhere or, or, or interacted with our system in a, in a way that would cure their inactive status, then they are purged. Um, if they are, if we get an obituary um, within the same year of, uh, of an election, they'll go in an active status and get purged after the election. So just in case there's a mistake by the Board of Elections, we still have them in an active, but it wouldn't allow them to vote unless they fill out an affidavit. Uh, and hopefully they are still dead. Uh, no, I guess hopefully they're not dead, but I mean, you know, hopefully <laughs> there's, it's very hard for a dead person to walk into a polling place and actually fill out an affidavit ballot. So uh, usually that's a, a board of elections mistake uh, with a similar name or something like that. So we have a lot of protections in place, but as Doug said that, you know, in 2016, there was the Brooklyn issue and that happened during a very hot presidential primary where a, I believe it was a clerk uh, processed inact, you know, purging inactive voters well before the timeline for doing that because within a certain timeline, I believe it's 90 days of an election, you cannot purge voters 
they have to stay inactive until after the election. And by practice, most boards don't purge voters until the January or February after an election. And a lot of times it waits until after the national um, voter lookup that happens where the post office, we, 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 uh, we, uh, um, we, we, we wait for that and then we start moving people to inactive. So it takes a little while. Uh, Judy uh, had a question and thank you, Mary, for that, for that question. Uh, Judy had a question. I'm going to unmute you, Judy. Uh, you can unmute yourself now and ask your questions or a question. You just have to hit. Yep, there you go. Yeah. Um, if someone moves within New York State and registers elsewhere, does that feed back into like Onondaga County and then you purge them off the rolls here? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We, we, we do they, exactly what's ha what happens. Okay, but if they move to another state and register there, that does not feedback. Is that correct? Sometimes. Um, uh, good practice uh, among all election administrators around the world is to notify the old board of elections that the voter has registered. And many okay. states will do that. New York certainly notifies uh, other states when, um, when somebody from out of state uh, registers in New York. Um, and uh, if we receive that notice from another board of elections that the voter has registered in another state, then the county board of elections will cancel that voter from the New York registration. And uh, Judy, did you have any other questions? Um, how many people are actually um, affected by that rule where if they, that they have to use um, the temporary ballot or I, I can't remember, the provisional ballot? Yeah, provisional ballot is what everybody else calls it. We call it an affidavit ballot. Okay. Um, how many people are affected by that? Um, because that seems to be the thing that holds up the whole counting process. Uh, it depends on the circumstance. I mean, a person comes comes into the poll and they, they say they're a voter and uh, there's no record of their being a voter. You have to give them a, one of these ballots to vote on and it's checked on later when the ballots are counted. So it's okay. as simple as that. So uh, there may be an error or something happens at a particular polling place uh, and more people, so you can't determine, you know, how many in a particular election will have, but right now it's not that significant. Am I right, Doug? It's less okay, than so And Why can't you count the absentee ballots, start counting the absentee ballots right away and then do the provisional ballots after the voting? You, you could do that. New York's laws have to be streamlined. And there are some technical kinks that uh, 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 the governor and the legislature did not think they should address this year. So the governor did sign an executive order to speed up the count and to do it as quickly as possible. Um, but uh, you know, as Dustin is uh, implementing it in Onondaga County, it'll still take a week or more to um, finish the count. 
And another reason, though, is also because in a quirk in New York State election law, and we are absolutely, I think we might be the only one who does this, we allow people that vote absentee to show up. In fact, we mandate it in our Constitution to show up on Election Day if they're able to at a polling place. And since we mandate that, we have to allow them to do that. And if you restarted counting that absentee before Election Day, there would be no way to pull that absentee if somebody showed up on Election Day and voted because we don't know how anybody votes. You know, the, the ballots themselves are not tied to an individual person. And once they're open and run through a machine, we can never uh, take those back. So we, we have to, to keep people from double voting. We can't vote, you know, we can't um, count absentees until after election. I will say this, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an advocate of a more lenient mailing uh, ballot system. But if we're going to implement that in 2022 after the no-fault absentee provisions go into place, we have to change that law. We have to change the, the, the way we count absentees. I, I advocate a first-past-the-post system. Whichever ballot receives is received by the Board of Election first is the ballot that is counted, and any subsequent ballots are not counted. Um, so if somebody mailed it in but showed up on early voting and their absentee ballot hadn't shown up at the board or something like that, we would we would count that. And if an absentee came in, we would push their voter history to the electronic poll books and, uh, and make them um, not be able to vote on election day. So, you know, and they could vote by affidavit if they felt the, the board made a mistake. But that's a lot of conversations that we're gonna have to have over the next year and a half to change that. And we're gonna have to live with the system that we have right now. Um, at least uh, in the, for the time, at least for this election, and probably for 2021 as well. So um, I agree with that, and we did that system for early voting because we were, we had time to implement it and think through all the technical provisions. So you can, if you vote early voting, your um, right to vote on election day is voided out. Uh, with one little exception that uh, you can fill out an affidavit ballot on election day and say that uh, it wasn't true, that you didn't really vote on early voting and somehow or other your name was mistakenly tied to somebody else's ballot. Um, so those are the kinds of kinks that you would work out if you had time. But nobody's had time to do uh, all these technical um, changes um, for November. So it looks like we're kind of out of questions right now from the group, but um, I'm gonna ask one final question uh, because it, I don't know, Doug and Andy, if you remember this, but about four years ago at conference, you cornered me and said uh, you wanted me to start looking at electronic poll books and uh and and because uh, we had run a pilot and that uh i was a legislative chair of the new york state elections commissioner association and uh then i started pushing electronic poll books researching them bringing them in and finally we even got agreement from the republicans well before the legislation was passed but the republican commissioners also agreed that we needed electronic poll books and so that was like you two were like pushing us towards the future. 
what's the next push? You know, we've implemented early voting. We are looking at expanding mail-in voting. What do you think the next push is? What, what is the next reform that we haven't implemented yet or need to work on? For me, it's the abolition of voter registration. <laughs> that everybody gets to vote. <laughs> yeah, I'm with him. I, I, uh, you're born here, you're a citizen, you, you register. I guess the automatic voter registration is a step towards that. Uh, it's probably not a panacea, but North Dakota has that, right? Where any citizen can show up. There is no registration. They just no show up. No registration in North Dakota. And several other states have combined their voter registration with a, a motor vehicle. But, but, you know, ultimately the idea should be that uh, you live in New York, you should be able to vote here. As long as you're a citizen. Yes. Or, right? I mean, <laughs> well, or should we not dance on that? Uh, that I, I haven't gone that far. I don't know about dog, but I haven't gone that far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, one thing that I'm, I'm going to be researching over the next couple of years is, um, uh, more of vote on demand. Um, you know, now that we're implementing it for early voting, moving to vote centers on election day, as well as um, uh, in early voting, where you could show up to any polling place and get your ballot if the technology's there. And, um, you know, if we could do it for early voting, it's just a matter of scale for, and, and, and Texas is doing that this year. Um, and that I, I'm watching that because, uh, Texas was the leader in early voting. You, you don't think of Texas as a leader in voting reforms, but really they are. And uh, it, it's their restrictions they put on who can vote, but the actual mechanics of voting, they do a lot of good things down there. And, uh, and now, they're, you know, now they're experimenting with on-demand balloting on election day in many of their big counties. I'm interested to see how that goes forward. And they do not favor expanding to uh, vote by mail. They do not. They, they, are they, allow, they allow voting by mail for people with appropriate excuses. Right. They still want people to vote in person. Well, can I just ask if you have, if you just show up, do you have to bring the, your citizenship or your birth certificate first time, Doug? To me, you would bring your fingerprint and you would leave a thumbprint, uh, just like you do when you log into your uh, uh, into your iPhone. iPad. Oh, okay. Cool. Not the pur not your purple thumb thing like in the Middle East. No, but uh, that's the model. Model, yes. It's done in a lot of countries where uh, uh, anybody can go vote, but they have their thumb mark. And by the way, a fingerprint reader, the technology is so advanced now that uh, uh, um, a fingerprint reader is under $75. It's a lot cheaper than our poll books. Um, and, um, uh, but I do acknowledge that some people have privacy concerns, that uh, they don't want to give up their fingerprints. Um, to me, the reason we have signatures is because that was the best, the best identification method they had in the 19th century when they started this process. And uh, um, uh, we need to move on.
<laughs> well, uh, speaking of moving on, uh, we're coming to the end of our time here today. And uh, I want to thank you gentlemen very much for joining me on this. I think it was very, uh, it was in the weeds, but that's what this uh, podcast is supposed to be. It's supposed to be about election matters. And I think people don't realize how complicated elections are. And I want to thank you for your service uh, to the citizens of New thank York you. State and, and also to, uh, you know, the people watching this today. And uh, if, is there anything you want to close with today? Thank you, Dustin, for all that you do and for our other panel members who asked lots of good questions. We're going to be blasting this out throughout the county. This was really very interesting and informative. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you very much, all of you. Thanks for having us. Next week on uh, next uh, Thursday, we'll be uh, chatting with Mark Spadafore, the president of the Greater Syracuse Labor Council, uh, about how um, uh, unions are, are, are revamping their campaign uh, process uh, amongst the time of COVID and uh, many different labor uh, issues that are going on right now uh, in Onondaga County and uh, throughout the state. Um, and then so later in September, we'll be uh, talking to our assembly uh, candidates. Uh, we have several town halls uh, scheduled for all five of our assembly candidates and uh, our Supreme Court nominee as well. So we're, we're going to have get back to the town hall formats uh, later on in September. Thank, on behalf of the United Democrats, uh, this is Dustin Zarni. I thank you again to our uh, guests, uh, State Board of Elections Commissioners, Doug Kellner and Andrew Spanero, and any, all of our people who logged in to ask questions. And uh, please, again, stay safe, wear your mask, and share uh, this video as much as possible uh, so you can, uh, so people can see and, uh, and hear how they can vote this election in the most important election in our lifetime. Thank Ever. you very much. And uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy your weekend. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.